Welcome to Tactical Breakdown. Today we're talking all about officer mental health and an amazing program called Blue Help. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Tactical Breakdown podcast on the Islet Network. Your number one resource for law enforcement training. Here is your host, Adam Kanakin. All right, we're back at it here on the podcast with another excerpt from our time at the 2021 ILETA conference. This episode is important to me uh, because if you follow ILET at all, if you follow the tactical breakdown over the last couple of years, you know how important officer mental health and well-being is and how much we focus on that. Um, we've very been very lucky and been able to raise um, quite a bit of money for officer mental health initiatives. And... The program that we're going to talk about today is called Blue Help. Now, if you don't know what Blue Help is, it is a 501c3 in the United States. Um, and the mission of Blue Help is to reduce the mental health stigma through education. Um, they advocate for benefits for those suffering from post traumatic stress. They acknowledge service and sacrifice of law enforcement officers that we've lost to suicide. And they assist officers in their search for healing. And they like to bring awareness to suicide and mental health issues, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And they are an absolutely amazing organization that I can't say enough good things about. Um, if you want to check them out, it's www.bluehelp.org. That's www.bravo-lima-uniform-echo-hotel-echo-lima-papa.org. Um, amazing organization, links in the show notes to them and you can check them out. And um, today we're talking with Steve Huff. Steve Huff was one of the co-founders of the uh, of this nonprofit. He's an amazing dude. Um, he's been through a lot and he shares his story here on this episode. So let's jump right into this conversation I had with Steve at Ailita and um, you can see for yourself exactly what we're talking about. Here we go. Hey everyone, Adam Kanakin here with ILED Network, sitting at the 2021 ILEDA Conference in St. Louis. Sitting next to me, Steve Huff, co-founder of Blue Help. Steve, thanks for joining me, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Anybody who follows ILED Network, Tactical Breakdown Podcast, anything that we touch, knows that how important officer mental health is to everything that we do. Absolutely. It is the interleaved factor with everything. Yes, sir. You can't be a good officer if you're not squared away upstairs. That's right. right. And so, it. and so, I would love to talk about Blue Help. Let's let's get the word out there. Let's share with all of the officers and listeners what what Blue Help is and and what you guys do for the law enforcement community. Very good. So let's let's start from the beginning. Uh, about 2010, uh, my partner and I, uh, who happens to be the other one of the other co-founders, Dr. Jeff McGill, uh, we were involved in a, a shootout in which I wound up getting shot in the face and a couple of times in the leg, wound up killing a guy. Um, uh, from there, our journey through the mental health awareness and dealing with some of those stressors and dealing with some post-traumatic stress uh, really took a forefront. And, um, and shortly thereafter, we met up with Karen Solomon. She led us down the path of being in one of her books, which eventually led to the path of coming to Blue Help. And this is where we're at today. Uh, we started Blue Help uh, officially around 2014, 2015 timeframe, which is the same time we started tracking our uh, law enforcement suicides. And this is one of the big things that Blue Help is. Blue Help provides uh, data 
as far as officers who have taken their own lives um, while working or retired or on some type of leave, basically during their law enforcement career. Since, since its inception, we've started collecting data uh, for corrections officers as well, um, and we're looking to move forward beyond the realm of just law enforcement and expanding out to all first responders. So uh, just this last week, we released a, uh, we deployed a tool on our webpage, which allows you, the individual, to go to the webpage. Uh, it's an interactive tool. You can click your state, you can click a year. It will give you data that is most requested. Uh, ages, um, ranks, races, those types of things. Years of service, if they were military veterans, all of those things. And what Blue Help is really all about is, is bringing the awareness to the forefront. Uh, as you've already stated, you, you said it perfectly, you said it better than I could. You know, for all the tactical training that these officers have, especially here at Ilita, it's only as good as the mind lets you work, right? Your hit, your 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 trigger, your trigger fingers can be true, your footsteps can be sure, but if you're not in a right place in your mind, this could cause problems, could be disastrous. And that's where Blue Help steps in. We want to be able to say, hey, look, we understand what you're going through. We have the resources on our pages. We make them available readily to anybody that wants them, and uh, we. We really advocate for officers, the family of officers, the friends of officers uh, to provide that mental health awareness so that they can move on and build up that resiliency to press forward and fight the good fight. With the data, what about that is, is such a core component of what you guys have put together? Well, number one, it's the first of its kind. Not uh, As far as we're aware, nobody else has really... Uh, stepped up to the plate. Badge of Life was doing it for the longest time. However, we have managed to take that and take it to the next level. And uh, we can see, uh, we haven't started at this point, we've been requested to have that data released so that people can look at it and see what patterns are evolving or if there's certain specific things that are coming from that. For us, to you and to other law enforcement officers, it's an awareness tool. It's to show you, hey, look, yes, this is really happening. Yes, we are seeing reports of more law enforcement officers committing suicide than are killed in the line of duty. So uh, from there's a couple of different standpoints with that data. Mm -hmm. and, and the biggest thing that we want to do at this point is put that data where, where it can do the most good, which is in the hands of our trainers, which is in the hands of the agencies, and then the hands of the individuals so that they can look at this and go, okay, yeah, there is a problem. And this is something that we need to address either on a personal level or a professional level or an agency level. It's interesting when we talk about not wanting to, for some reason, people are like, well, we can't release that information, right? We can't, right. We can't release that data for whatever, whatever reason that they concoct to say, it's probably better for the general good that we don't share this. Right. What you're saying is no, like we need to release the data because that is at the end of the day, that's what's going to help us in making decisions, determinations and, and guiding our programs moving forward. Because without having a, a, a factual based 
science-based evidence to work off of. You've got it. You're shooting in the dark. You've got it. And and along those lines, you know, a lot of people hold their data close to that vest. It's proprietary, right? They don't want to release it. They don't want people to have that. Now, mind you, a lot of the information that we get is confidential. So it is not released, right? Obviously, you would understand that names of officers are not released unless the family gives permission or or uh, the friends of officers get permission or something along those lines where we have that ability to do that through them. This is all about this is all about the officers. This is all about the families. And um, again, when you're not seeing a lot of other entities or organizations uh, doing this type of data collection, uh, like I said, the the only two that I've ever been aware of is uh, Badge of Life and then us. And like I said, we've taken it to that next level. And this is one of those things that we want you to be able to uh, take your information and do with it as your agency or your personal needs see fit. Because we know that agencies are all run differently. So it's not going to be one fit for everybody. Everybody can pull or extrapolate from that what they want and then utilize it to better their wellness programs within their agencies. Yeah, I mean, there's... And there's so many things that we can dive into from this, but when we talk about other, let's, for example, other mental health organizations, there's so many out there, right? That people are like, well, why would I, why would I choose to support one versus the other or, or those types of things? And that's, and that's a real conversation that we have to have, especially in the law enforcement field, right? Because there's, there's so many that are popping up. But again, like you had said, what you guys are doing is different. Yes. It's, it's not just, hey, we have, you know, X amount of things for you, and it's because we think that this is important based off of our arbitrary understanding of our experience, which Correct. is what a lot, of, a lot of these organizations do, which I'm not faulting them for. I personally think there should be more. And as many, the more officers that we can help with, the more organizations as possible. Yep. Go nuts. Absolutely. Right. And I think you'd say the same thing. Absolutely correct. But I think it's important that we start having a conversation about like collaboration. Are there any organizations that you guys are like, hey, we'd love to, we'd love to talk shop with you guys and see what we can collaborate with together because you're bringing something to the table, like you said, that these other organizations don't have. Right. So I'm wondering how they're making their decisions and determinations on what programs they're putting together. Right. So, and of course, we're always in talks with other organizations to see if there's some sort of collaborative effort that we can come up with together to, uh, to further this, right? Um, Blue Help itself offers training, but it's not in a training realm as of yet. So this is one of those things, you know, we may look at other individual organizations that could do training for us. But uh, along those lines, it's kind of like what you pointed out already is that we kind of go against the grain, mm-hmm. right? We are not just following lockstep. Uh, whereas other people do it this way, we tend to go just the opposite way. So um, it has been a, uh, an interesting journey to uh, try and facilitate some of those some of those. Um, collaborations, if you will, or, or, you know, partnerships, if you will. But uh, in the end, I can totally see that Blue Help is going to have uh, not only support from other organizations, but support many other organizations that are trying to do some of the same things that we're doing. You know, uh, we're all in this together. And that's one of the big things that we kind of advocate for is we do this together. 
I mean, it's not you against me, me against you. We're, we're all on the same team. We have got to get on the same page and do this to help not just the officers that are there now, but the future officers that are going to be coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And we have, uh, and so we talked about like NGOs, other organizations that do similar work. What can an agency expect if, if we have a, you know, somebody in command, pre- command staff mm-hmm. or an instructor or somebody who's just a regular member of their agency that says, hey, we recognize that we need some help and they reach out to you guys, right? What, what can they expect from that? Well, they can expect a couple of things. Number one, uh, there's two different types of uh, time frames for or, uh, training that we offer. Uh, we've got like a four-hour block and, a, and at this time like a 75-minute block, and we're looking to expand that. However, what we do have more of than that is we have those resources. We have the resources available on the page itself, and we also have um, Karen has been phenomenal in, in gaining partnerships with individual entities around the different states throughout the United States. So uh, it's very rare that you could not contact her and within you know hours you would have an answer to say, hey, look, if we're looking for certain resources for uh, agencies to, to put on some training or, hey, we don't know where to start with this, she will be able to respond just like that and um, put agencies on the right path. You know, uh, being here today, just sitting around at the booth, talking with other individuals, other trainers come in here, uh, a lot of them are taking those steps already. A lot of the agencies are taking steps. A lot of the agencies that have uh, mental health professionals employed with the agencies, such as agencies that have jails, they actually are moving forward even quicker with those mental health programs, which is awesome. That's what we're after. So, uh, but those smaller agencies, some of those guys, you know, they, they kind of feel left out uh, because they, they don't have 100, 200, 300 officers at their disposal. You know, we're more than happy to help them get where they need to go. Yeah, I was, I was interested. It was surprising when we pulled our audience from the last event that we ran um, and just looking at national statistics, it's like 80% of agencies in the United States are 25 officers or less. Yes. So... Those are the and and when we talk about people that need probably the most help that don't have dedicated resources that Absolutely. don't have yes. support units within their agencies. Yep. Um, there's, I, I really feel like this is for them. It's like, hey, listen, we we understand that you're not going to be able to stand this up on your own. So let us give you the resources that you're going to need. And, and you're kind of a you're kind of like what I do with ILET. I'm I'm a conduit of information. Correct. If I can't if I cannot deliver it to you. You best believe that I'm going to find you the person that can. You got it. Right? And this is one of those things with when you talk about those smaller agencies, these are the ones that are most affected. Right? Uh, if, if an officer commits suicide in an agency that's five, 600 strong, it's, it's a good assumption, at least at the very low end, that the majority of the officers did not know this, this, this officer that may have completed suicide. However... If you're talking about an agency of 25 people who have probably worked at that agency for years, you know, it's like a family, right? And, and I mean, we always talking about the blue family and, and the law enforcement families. And those guys are true, for the most part, they're true families. And when you lose one, that affects an entire department. And, and, and we'd like to be able to provide them when they contact us 
to say, hey, look, we can we can definitely set, put you in the right direction to get the counselors, to get uh, other people to come in and talk to your officers to help them move past that, get a little bit more resilient behind uh, losing a friend and a fellow officer. Yeah, it's so interesting to me. I mean, I kind of want to go down a little bit of a different road here. Um, we've been talking about suicide, but you shared your experience about being in a shooting, coming injured, and then your your process through that. What is it that is so important for officers to understand that there is help and that there's resources like this available to them? Like from your own experience, what what were what was that? What were the things that you learned going through your incident that you want to share with other officers? Well, the biggest thing, and this, this is one of the things that we actually campaign on, is um, I will listen, right? That's, that's one of our big campaigns. It's been a campaign of ours for uh, a couple of years now. We're going to have new campaigns coming along those same lines that talk about, hey, look, we can listen, but you've got to do the talking, right? Uh, one of the biggest things that I found that, that helped me was the camaraderie with my partner and my fellow officers in our unit. That helped me significantly get, significantly get through uh, some of the issues that I had post-shooting. Um, the other thing that is, that is uh, if there would be one other thing that I would really point out, is make sure that when you have agencies start looking for that, um, that counselor or that group of counselors, make sure they're a good fit. Because um, in my personal experience, it took several tries to get the right person to be able to talk to me. Because you know as well as I do, we are all cut. Uh, law enforcement, uh, our first responders are cut from a different cloth, right? Mm. And um, you can't, unfortunately, you can't just take a counselor that, that talks to families and put them in a setting with, with first responders. That's, that's usually... Um, that's usually advantageous. A recipe for disaster. Yeah, it is. It is totally, totally a recipe for disaster. I shared, I've shared this story a few times. Um, when, I, when I was injured, so I, I ended up leaving the military because I ended up fracturing my spine uh, in a training accident. And that process, um, aside from the rehab, I became very chemically dependent. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of issues um, with that. And part of the program was, you know, having to go and speak with counselors. But... Every counselor I would go and speak with, not one of them had ever worn a uniform. Right. Not one of them had ever gone through the training. Not one, no one knew where I was coming from. So sure. I'm sitting there and I'm trying to explain feelings and thoughts and experiences. And I'm looking at them and they're looking at me like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And it's, it's, it's like so disheartening because you're like, yes. I'm, I'm opening up to you to share my, what I'm, what's going so that you can help me. And I have a feeling that you have no, effing clue right. what I'm talking about. And so as soon as that happens, I check out. You got it. That's exactly what happened with me. Same, same thing. You know, uh, when you get, when you get a counselor that asks you, you know, when you tell them, Hey, look, I'm angry all the time, right? I'm angry, just angry, angry all the time. And they ask you, Hey, what do you think your trigger is? Well, maybe it's the hole in my face. Maybe it's the trach in my throat. Maybe it's that my eye won't shut and I've got a gold weight in my eye to keep my eyelid closed because the nerve endings are shot. Um, you know, when, and, and when you realize that, it, it really compounds the problem. Mm -hmm. So I would, bringing our conversation back to our, 
our brethren in law enforcement, I would be very cautious or, or make sure the individual is the right fit for what you want them to do and what you need them to do. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things. But as far as for me, I found my solace was basically my guys. Um, a lot of talking about everything that happened, both during the shooting and after the shooting. Um, because obviously, as you can imagine, there was a lot of things that kind of, uh, over a, about a span of a couple of years, uh, it took a while for me to get back to a point where I was, um, I was functional at a year. I was able to do the job at a year, but probably another year to get back to some semblance of where I was at before the shooting. So, uh, those are the real big things that, that if we could take away from the conversation today, is, you know, these guys have got to have an outlet to talk with people, whether it be a, a partner, whether it be a significant other, whether it be um, a counselor. That is, that is the biggest takeaway, if I could push something, is they have to understand that they're not alone and talking about these, these things that, whether it's accumulative stress over 20 years of a job or whether it's a shooting or, or, or having a spinal injury, uh, these are these are things that need to be worked out, and and you're not going to work them out by compartmentalizing and holding them in. I couldn't say it better than that, brother. Before we go, I want you to be able to share where where the officers can find you. So, uh, number of places. Number one, LinkedIn, of course, right? Yep. Always on LinkedIn. I work for the Walton County Sheriff's Office in uh, uh, Walton County, Florida. So it should be easy enough to find me there. They can also find me on Facebook. Find me at the Blue Help webpage, uh, bluehelp.org. You can find us on the Blue Help Facebook page, Blue Help, uh, Blue Help Facebook page. And I think, I'm pretty sure we kicked up a LinkedIn page, but don't quote me on that one just yet. But if you type in, but if you type in uh, Blue Help in LinkedIn, you're going to see a number of us. You'll see Dr. McGill, that's Jeff, that's my partner. You'll see Karen, you'll see Joe Willis, you'll see me. You'll see a whole team of individuals, and we're all there for, for everybody. So if they want to reach out to any one person, they can do that. Or if they just want to reach out and say, hit the old contact at bluehelp.org and say, hey, I'm looking for this, and, and we will we'll make it happen. Steve, brother, thank you so much for taking thank the you. time sitting down with me, man. It's That's an honor. awesome. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Of course. Join the Islet Network now. Go to Islet.network. That's I-L-E-T dot network.